All right, welcome to the 10,000 podcast. 10,000 podcast when we're all about helping you find God in your 10,000. And today we're going to continue our series looking at some of the Proverbs from the book of Ecclesiastes. And today we're looking all at our own human deficiencies. That's right. And uh, if I'm honest, I have a few human deficiencies. And uh, well, it, one of them was acutely aware to me when okay. I was in high school. There yeah. was this fence that kind of divided our track from the outdoor basketball court. And I would walk by it day after day after day. And it was just high enough. And maybe you're like me, but you're like in, yeah. in this, you say, I can help that. <laughs> and so it kept stewing in my head day after day after day until one day I was like, all right, this is it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump that fence. So I get this great running start, have a great plant, and I'm in the air, like maybe about to reach the top of the fence, and I'm like, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. This is a bad idea. I'm not going to make it. Like, I had that moment where time seems to stop, and you're like, what am I doing? And so I reach off, and I'm like, oh, I'll push off the fence. Then I'll make it just fine. So I push the top of the fence, forgetting to realize that it has this, like, yellow topper on it to basically block, block the points on it. Yeah. At that point, to it... To block people from doing what, what Exactly you do. what I'm doing, right? Yeah. And so I, I push on it, and it moves dramatically. Completely throws me off my balance. I end up... Up in the air, I end up going backwards, back towards the fence, and I land smack right on the basketball court. <laughs> Ended up having a fairly significant concussion, oh. had some, a bit of memory loss, um, yeah. made our way back to the band room, it was after school, and it was the same day that Sadie Hawkins was supposed to happen. Yeah. And uh, so we needless to say, I did not make it to Sadie Hawkins. You really disappointed that girl, didn't you? Well, it was Sarah, actually. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was funny. Sarah. And she was she was not very happy with me. Yeah. And one of the first things I remember saying is, Sarah is going to be really mad at me. And I was right. <laughs> All because I had dramatically overestimated my abilities. I yeah. thought I could jump that, and turns out I can't. I, yeah, I think we all have a similar story to yours. Maybe it's not with jumping, but we've all thought we're better than we actually are. Mm-hmm. We thought we are more capable, that we're more advanced, that we're, we know more than we actually do. Right. And, and that, again and again, boom, you drop, yeah. and you hit the ground. That's right. So that's what this section of Proverbs is about. Yeah, about our deficiency, about the ways that we fall short, about the ways that we think we can do things, but in reality, we can't. Yep. And... So we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 20, and this is maybe one of the most famous verses out of all of Ecclesiastes. And in verse 20, where we read, Indeed, there is no one on earth who is righteous, no one who does what is right and never sins. Now that's maybe one of the most famous verses out of this book, debatably, because it occurs a few other times in the Bible as well. Paul would pick this up in the book of Romans. He said, yeah, no one is righteous, no, not one talking right about this. He said, look at this. Nobody is right and perfect and does what's right all the time. There's no one who does what's right and never sins. And I think that's pretty true. Yeah, I agree. We need to be honest about this. In fact, G.K. Chesterton, the great British author, once said that the, the reality of sin and depravity, which is a fancy word for our sin, right? Yeah. That it is the only bit of Christian theology that we can actually prove. Mm. And, you know, he's a little bit exaggerating. Right. I think there's more things to prove, but it's right. like, yeah, you look at us, you study human beings, we all do the wrong thing. Yeah. 
there's been studies on infants and infant babies as young as like six, eight months will deliberately do something against what their parents tell them to do. Mm. Did you did you experience that with your own daughter? No comment. No comment. Well, <laughs> I, guess no comment. I guess I'll have to find out here uh, with my own daughter here soon. But yes, yeah, you will. Pretty, it's and coming up for you, Sawyer. Very soon. Yes, coming quickly. But yes, we are all depraved. We are all sinful. No one does what's right all the time. Yeah. I, interesting thought about that. I uh, we had a, a past well, a preacher, somebody you know, one of those sidewalk preachers that would come and mm. speak. Who have some very interesting thoughts about the Bible and theology, to say the least. Um, and, and he came to speak at my college when we were there, and, and multiple times. And so I went up to him one time after he had given one of his messages, because he had claimed that he had achieved perfection, mm-hmm. that he was no longer sinning. And I was like, okay, interesting. I got to follow up with this. So I, I went up to him after and said, so, so you're perfect now. He's like, yep, I haven't sinned today. Don't plan on sinning ever again. And I said, well, that's different than saying you're perfect, right? So he acknowledged that he had sinned in the past, but he had reached a point now that he had re- achieved perfection. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of pressed him on it and said, so, so, okay, so external stuff, maybe you're not cheating or stealing or speaking bad about other people, but you don't, you've controlled your thoughts, too. And the more I pressed him on it, the more it seemed like that was just a claim he made. And in reality, like like all of us who claim to be Christians, I mean, he's actively working on his his faith, his, yep. he's being sanctified, he's becoming more like Jesus. But as I pressed him on it, even this guy who claimed perfection, in reality, wasn't. And from some of the things he said about other people, I wouldn't say he was perfect either. And anyone who says that is lying. Yeah, so, right, yeah. <laughs> there you go, right there, I mean, right isn't off that the what, Isn't that what John said in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 8? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Mm-hmm. You and are a liar. In that very moment, we're saying. You are a liar. Yeah. I once met a guy... It was on a college campus. He was just a student, okay. and he thought he hadn't sinned. I was oh, talking ever? to him about sin. Yeah, he's okay. like, no, I don't sin. I was like, well, what do you mean you don't sin? He's like, oh, yeah, I mean, it was just the idea of relativism. Oh, you know, okay. what's right for you is okay for you. So he just didn't buy anything that God said. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, so you've never done anything wrong. Nope, no. And I said, okay, well, let's just think about an example. What are some standards you have for yourself. Okay. You're not buying into God's standards. Right. Let's just say, what standards defined. do you mm-hmm. have? Do you think that recycling is good? Well, yeah. you got to protect our planet. We need to recycle. Well, great. Have, has there ever been a time where you have not recycled something you should have recycled? Mm. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay, so you've broken your own rules. Therefore, you have sin. You've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once we bring God into the equation, it's like even scarier. Yeah, your thoughts... Right. Uh, your words, your actions, your attitude can be very sinful. Right. No one is righteous. No, not one. Mm-hmm. This is just at the core of who we are as human beings is deficient. We're deficient. We can't jump that. We can't jump that. <laughs> <laughs> and then moving on to the next verse, which I think flushes this out even further. It says, do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. For you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one as well. And most of us don't have servants. No. Though we may have employees or clients or, or things like that. People that work under us. Yeah, yeah. And it says, don't pay attention to every word they say because they might curse you. Well, shouldn't you pay attention to that? If they're going to say awful things about you, um, saying bad things about you or your reputation. You should pay attention and you stop that, right? You know that, yeah. yeah. I mean, let's stop that slander, that mm-hmm. gossip, right? 
But then he says in verse 22, for you know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. Yeah. It's like, look inward. Don't pay as much attention to what people say because you say bad things. Right. Has there ever been a time where you said something bad about another person, Sawyer? Honesty moment. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so we can be honest yeah. about this. Uh, you know, I've told this story before, but I, when I was a pastor in Nebraska, small town, mm-hmm. pretty much knew most of the town. But early on, I went to a community event, and while I was there, met a woman. It's the first time I met her. I introduced myself as Matt. I was the pastor of the church down the street. And she said, oh, you really are a baby-faced kid. <laughs> and I remember that vividly, like, what? Who says that to your face? But what it made me realize is not only did she think I was a baby-faced kid, and I am. I uh, still am working on <laughs> filling out some patches on, on my beard or lack of beard face. Uh, not only am I a baby-faced kid, she thought that, but somebody had described her, t- described me to her as a baby-faced yeah, kid. Yeah, like, oh, that pastor, yeah, totally baby-faced. Yeah. You'll recognize him. But instead of getting upset, really mad at her, and, who's your friend? What? Who was telling you that? Who introduced you? Like, was it someone in my church? Or, you know, I hope it was one of the Methodists, right? Like, I, instead of saying something like that, better not be my people. Instead of getting mad, it's like, realize, okay, I've described people in less than kind ways before. I've said things usually behind that person's back. Usually after you meet them, you talk to somebody else. Oh, that person, they talk so much. Yeah. Um, And when you think about it, they're like, oh, I'm just as guilty. Right. It's really easy. Yeah. Deficiencies. Yeah. It's really easy to fall into hypocrisy and hold others accountable for the things that you're not even holding your own self accountable for. For sure. Yeah. For sure. We have deficiencies. Verse 23, I'll just jump in and read that. Verse 23, it says, All this I tested by wisdom, and I said, I am determined to be wise, but this was beyond me. Whatever exists is far off and most profound. Who can discover it? So I turned my mind to understand, to investigate it, to search out wisdom and the scheme of things, and to understand the stupidity of wickedness and the madness of folly. Yeah. This is this is interesting because this whole book is about wisdom and trying to live well and, and learn how to live best in the world. And then in, in this moment, I think Solomon is being honest about himself and saying, I'm looking at the world, I'm studying, I'm seeking to understand, investigate, searching out. And even when it comes down to it, there's stupidness in this wisdom. It's not enough. It's not enough to respond to my deficiencies. That even in that wisdom, that wisdom is deficient. Yeah, The best wisdom of the world isn't enough to deal with the madness and folly, to deal with all the stuff, because we're limited. And that's another one of our deficiencies, is we're limited to place, we're limited to what we can know. We can't know everything, and yeah. so that even that wisdom is deficient. Yeah, no matter how much we learn, we're still going to be lacking huge, or have huge holes in our knowledge. Yeah. They, say no the more, they say the more you learn... The more you, excuse me, the more you know, the more you learn you don't know things. Yeah. Because there's so much more wisdom out there yep. that the you sm- learn about. The smarter you get, the more you realize how stupid you are. Yeah. 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 I, it, that's interesting. I had, a, I had a professor in college and a professor I really looked up to in their classes and um, learned a lot from them personally. Um, and then next year after I'd done the classes with them, uh, come to find out that this individual who was most learned and he had a PhD after all, right, had a couple of DUIs, mm-hmm. and the college was investigating it, looking into it, and and trying to decide if he was going to keep his job because this this wise person, this knowledgeable person, had made some choices and decisions, breaking laws and, and not dealing with their 
obvious problem with alcohol that I was unaware of, that in reality that their wisdom wasn't enough to, you know, help them make right decisions in the rest of their life. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the worst things about education, learning, or even becoming an expert in something mm-hmm. is that we do become an expert in one subject or in one particular thing, like this professor, a PhD yeah. in this one thing. Yeah. But just because you are really knowledgeable about one thing doesn't mean you know everything. Right. And that's, I think, one of our biggest deficiencies. Like, that's why you hear Hollywood actors. They might be great at their craft, and then they're speaking about things that are completely outside of that, like politics. They're like, what gives you any knowledge <laughs> to talk about this politics? Or a politician trying to come in and, and talk about something about science. It's like... Or you, faith. Or faith. Yeah. yeah, do you know anything about this? Mm-hmm. You're a businessman over here. Does that mean you know anything about this other subject, like the edu- about education, knowing right. what our fifth graders need in the classroom? Right. Like, we need to be more knowledgeable about our own insufficiencies. Right. We need to acknowledge them and say, yeah, I don't know as much as I think I know. Right. Definitely. So in verse 26 takes a bit of a turn. Okay. So we're going to jump into that. <laughs> this is a funny one. It says, I find more bitter than death the woman who is a snare, whose heart is a trap, and whose hands are chains. The man who pleases God will escape her, but the sinner she will ensnare. Hmm. How do you feel about that one? Well, it's a little uncomfortable, to be honest. Okay, why? Because, I mean, Solomon, being a guy, he's going to turn to women and seeing them as, you know, there's a common perception of women as a temptress, right? Yeah. But I I think if we're being honest, I think a lot of that comes from his position as a man. He is a man, yeah. He is a man. Yeah. And so that that would make sense. So if this was written by a woman, I think we could... Turn the tables, and you could say, yeah, a, wo- a man who is a snare. Sure. And so I think he's going after a, a general principle of saying you, you need to control yourself because people are out there trying to entrap you. Yeah, and I don't know if necessarily that everyone's out there to entrap you, though some are. Some are, yeah. But the point is that as we as human beings, when we get into relationships with another person, that person can lead us to be entrapped. mm not because they're like actively trying to trap us right. or, or you know do something awful to us, mm-hmm. but they're a type of person that when you spend time with them, you get led astray. Yeah, um, I, I think especially of like First Corinthians fifteen thirty three, where Paul wrote that bad company corrupts good character. Yeah, bad company. You have great character. You're an upright person, but you're with this other person. All of a sudden, you find yourself doing things that you shouldn't do. Yeah. It's way easier to be pulled down by that other person instead of lifting that other person up. Yeah, and I think especially he's saying from a man's perspective right. that a woman can do this because this is someone that he's sexually attracted to. Sure. He's physically attracted to this woman, and this actually did play out in Solomon's life. He's writing from personal experience here. <laughs> you study the story of Solomon. He is a man that had wife after wife after wife after wife after concubine after concubine, mm-hmm. 700 wives, 300 concubines. And it explicitly tells us in the scriptures that these wives were from other nations. Right. They didn't worship the same God as God of Israel. Yeah. And they started wanting to worship in different ways. And he said, okay, you can do that. And then he started joining them in the worship of other gods. He got completely led astray into sin and into rebellion against the God. That He was the most upright man, right? Mm-hmm. He was completely wise. He was doing what was right and what he should do. God was pleased with him. Yeah. But his wives, these women, led him astray. Right. 
That's part of our own deficiency. I don't think he's blaming the woman. Mm. I, I think he's blaming himself. Right. I let myself get entrapped. Mm-hmm. I put myself in this relationship. Yeah. Have you ever uh, known someone who got into a relationship, maybe it was a girlfriend or boyfriend, or they got married, and then they completely changed who they were? <laughs> yeah, funny you mentioned that. I, I had a friend in high school that, yeah, we were great friends, and we had been friends for a while since middle school, and he started dating this girl, and she was kind of from a different different clique, I guess, so I didn't really know her, as, as small of a school it was, but, yeah. and increasingly, I stopped seeing my friend. Sure. And when I did, he became a completely different person. Yeah. He started hanging out with a different crowd, partying a decent amount, kind of changing the way he dressed, even. Like, yep. Yep. It, it's crazy how much that relationship changed him. Sure. And how much just an attraction to someone, like a dating relationship, certainly a marriage, or any of those significant, close, intimate relationships, things are going to change. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it happens no matter what. Right. It's like people go in thinking, I'm going to stay the same person. Mm -hmm. No, you're not. Yeah. The other person will change you. You'll listen to different music. You'll go eat different foods. Mm -hmm. You'll talk differently. You'll say different words. You'll watch different movies. Just because you're with another person who has a different personality. Right. So... We need to realize that we need to avoid the person who's bad. Right. Avoid the person who is going to lead us astray because they're like a trap. It's like putting your hand in a bear trap. (laughs) You put your hand there. Right. You know, have you ever heard this saying, you can't help who you fall in love with? Mm -hmm. Well, that's a bunch of (laughs) bull. That's a bunch of bull. You can. Mm -hmm. Once you start falling in love, it's almost impossible to stop. It's it's a powerful drive. Right. Even later in, or I'm sorry, not in Ecclesiastes, but Solomon would write in his Song of Solomon that mm-hmm. love is stronger than death. Right. It's going to get you and control you. So we need to be careful up front not to fall in love with people that we shine. Mm-hmm. That's why people that are having affairs do the craziest things and ruin their families, their jobs, their reputations, their careers. Yeah. Because they've been entrapped. Mm-hmm. But they put themselves in the position to fall in love in the first place. You can help who you fall in love with. We need to be careful who we fall in love with. Extremely careful because bad company corrupts good character. It's true. It's true. Now verse, uh, which verse are we on now? 27. 27, okay. Look, says the teacher, this is what I discovered. Adding one thing to another to discover the scheme of things. While I was still searching but not finding... Now, this is even a more interesting verse. Verse 28, he says, I found one upright man among a thousand, but not one upright woman among them all. This only I have I found. God created mankind upright, but they have gone in search of many schemes. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, very interesting. Mm. So you have to wonder if like Solomon actually went out and like looked in a bunch of people and only found one upright guy, right? And no upright, and women. no upright women. Yeah. So is is this just Solomon's experience, or is he making like a more general claim? What do you think? I mean, considering kind of the proverbial, kind of overall general nature of the Book of Ecclesiastes, I mean, I think he's maybe making more of a general statement. And if that's the case, I think we have to be honest. And just say this is maybe a, a little misogynistic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wi- women were viewed as kind of these temptresses, as these definitely second-class citizens in this society. And and, and he literally had a thousand women, right? Seven hundred wives right. and three hundred concubines. So he's like, oh, I have all these thousand. All of them have led me astray. Yeah, not one is good. <laughs> not one is upright. Maybe I found one upright guy, but no upright women. 
And, and, and I, I think what he's overall getting at is in that verse 29. He's saying that God has created people, mankind he uses, but people upright. Mm-hmm. Adam and Eve were created good. Yeah. They were created tov is the Hebrew word, and it means good. It means the fullness of God. The fullness of what God is is good. But they've gone in search of many schemes. They, they've lived outside of God's law. They chose for themselves to, to disobey what God had commanded them to do, to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to reach for themselves this God-likeness. They desired to be like God, it says in Genesis. Yep. And it was that, that fall, as we've come to say, describe it, that fall dramatically changed humans. We're no longer upright. We're deficient. We're sinful. Yep. Not one of us is righteous. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's right on. I, I think maybe if he, he pulled another thousand women, he maybe he could find the one woman. He's not saying that there's not a single upright woman ever right. in history. It's probably his experience, although he's a little misogynistic here. Yeah. And probably a little bitter because of what he's experienced right. in right. his own life. Definitely. So, yeah, it's probably a little misogynistic. But that's not the point. The Bible right. isn't saying there's no good women. No, he's not saying. Yeah. It's, in fact, it's literally saying there are no good women or men. Right. Yeah, maybe there's one guy that's pretty good, but he's not great. Even mm-hmm. he, going back to our first verse we looked at in verse 20, doesn't always do what's right. Mm-hmm. Even he sins. Yeah. There's no one who's right. I mean, that's just bleak. Yeah. That's bleak perspective, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, practically what we're looking at, how does this change our life? All these verses we've been looking at, our own deficiencies, how does that, what do we do with all this? Do we just admit, oh, yep, yeah, we're all terrible human beings. <laughs> Deal with it. I don't think we have to go that far, okay. but I, I think an acknowledgement of saying we have a problem, yep. that we are sinful, yep. that we do things that we don't want to do, and we do things that are outside of what God wants us to do, most importantly, and, yep. and we try to make ourselves like God, when in reality, we're not. Yep. Yeah, I, I mean, so there's that, that personal acknowledgement. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we personally need to admit we messed up. Like, right. there's no point in saying, oh, I never did anything wrong. I didn't do that. Mm-mm. Like, Because we try to do that. We defend ourselves. We justify ourselves. We don't need to do that. Right. We can admit that we have done wrong mm-hmm. personally. And we can also admit when we don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, that sometimes is the best answer. Like, We can be good at BSing mm-hmm. and pretending like we know the answer, know the solution. No, just admit, I don't know. Yeah. I have no clue. Right? Let's, let's just admit that. Yeah. And I think it matters how we, this, this applies to how we interact with other people. When he said, you know in your heart that you have cursed others. Mm-hmm. So when people say bad things about you, give them some grace. Yeah. Sometimes overlook it completely. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just need to forgive that person because other people are going to sin. How can we show other people grace yeah. in this life? Because we have to. We're all sinful. Mm-hmm. Or else we'll just, we're just hypocrites. Right. We don't want to be hypocrites. We definitely don't. <laughs> um, I, I think the biggest thing, though, is that we need help. Yeah, we, we desperately need. There is not a single human being who can help us out of the mess that we have created. Mm-hmm. We have chosen sin again and again and again. We need some help, and I think that's what the whole overarching story of the Bible is about. Yeah, Solomon didn't know him at the time, but there would one, be one who comes after him, Jesus, mm-hmm. who would actually be the one righteous man who never sinned and always did what was right. And that's what we're told about Jesus: never sinned, perfect in everything he did. Mm-hmm. And yet he was the one who was punished and put to death. Right. And we are told that he did that in our place. Mm-hmm. He was punished because we deserve to be punished. 
And that's the great message of the Bible, yeah. is that when we confess our sins and when we repent and turn to Jesus and say, hey, I need help, I need help, would you forgive me? We have that forgiveness. Yeah. And we desperately need it because no one is righteous. Yeah. We can't jump over that. No, we cannot jump over the chasm of our own sin. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening so much to this episode. We'll catch you next week. If you haven't done so already, make sure you like us, uh, rate us, and subscribe. We should now be up at the, at the posting of this on Stitcher, on Spotify. Spotify. And hopefully if they approve this podcast, iHeartRadio. Yeah, so. we're trying to get everywhere that <laughs> podcasts are. Yes. But make sure you subscribe and that you keep listening because we'll keep pushing out these episodes each week as we help you find God in your 10,000.